1: Get in touch with technology with Tech Stuff from HowStuffWorks.com.
0: Hey there and welcome to Tech Stuff. I'm your host, Jonathan Strickland. I'm an executive producer with HowStuffWorks and I love all things tech. And in our last episode, I talked about how Pierre Amidiar launched a web page over the Labor Day weekend in 1995 and he called it AuctionWeb. It was a site that was on a larger site, or a page that was on a larger site, called eBay. And it all started off as something of a hobby for him. Eventually, to offset the hosting charges he was getting from his provider, Omidyar instituted a small fee for successful auctions. If the closing price on an auction was less than $25, he would put in a 5% fee for the final bid, and if it was more than $25, it was a 2.5% fee. It didn't take long for the site to start pulling in more money than what it cost to run, and suddenly this hobby had become an actual business. By mid-1996, the auction site was earning Omidyar enough money for him to quit his job and bring on Jeff Skull as the president of the company. In June 1996, the net worth of all the goods sold over AuctionWeb had hit $7.2 million. That's collectively across the history of the site. And this was when things were still pretty darn small. Every single month that went by, the company was growing by 20 to 50 percent, some months marking a 75 percent growth rate. In no small part, this was due to Omidyar creating tools that allowed the community of AuctionWeb to form around the site. Users could rate one another and were encouraged to do so with a gentle reminder that praise is just as valid a form of feedback as a complaint. And soon people were using the rating system to great effect. Omidyar was gratified to see that people were not immediately leaping to negative comments. A bulletin board helped community members get questions answered by other, more experienced members of the community, and the community values were established. Those values are actually stated on the community site. I can cite them to you. Here they are. We believe people are basically good. We believe everybody has something to contribute. We believe that an honest, open environment can bring out the best in people. We recognize and respect everyone as a unique individual. We encourage you to treat others the way you want to be treated. Back to 1996. Jeff Skull, who was the new president of the company, had a few things he wanted to tackle to make business operations run more smoothly and professionally. One of those was to move AuctionWeb and eBay out of Amidyar's home. Right now, the three people working for the company were meeting at his house, and it just wasn't really working out the way Skull wanted it to. And it ended up being a harder thing to do than he had anticipated. The real estate market in San Francisco was pretty tight, especially for office space. And at first, the team moved out of Amidiar's house into Skull's home, which had more room, but also had roommates. Then Skull, Amidyar, and part-time employee Chris Agarpo moved into a very small office space over at the NASA Ames Technology Center. Eventually, the team found an office space at the Greylands Business Park in Campbell, California, and they moved in. Now, I'm going to flash forward for just a second here. That office, suite number 205 at 1025 Hamilton Avenue, technically in San Jose, California, is still a part of eBay. The company eventually purchased the entire office park, and that building is now called Music, or building number six. Each building on the eBay campus sports the name of a category of items you could list for auction on the site. Skull also wanted to update the look of the website. Amityar had built a functional site, but it wasn't much to look at. And Skull hated that AuctionWeb, the one element that was bringing in all the money, was sharing a general website space with a page about Tufts University's Alumni Association and another about a biotech startup company where Omidyar's wife worked, and a third page about the Ebola virus. He wanted Omidyar to remove all those elements and have AuctionWeb be the only thing at eBay.com. Initially, Amityar put up a defense. He said that Ebola information, that page about the virus, was highly ranked in search and likely drove a lot of traffic to eBay.com. But Skull remained adamant, and eventually Amityar would give in. People were already referring to auction web just as eBay at that point, Skull argued, and to include it under an umbrella of such disjointed subjects was bound to cause confusion further down the road and to make it more challenging to form strategic partnerships and to get funding. Skull also wanted someone... Uh, to handle all the customer support questions that were coming in because Amityar had been doing that and it was taking up a lot of his time. So he looked through the bulletin board community and he noticed that one user who went by the handle Uncle Griff was particularly helpful. But Uncle Griff hadn't posted much over the last couple of months, so Skull decided to reach out to this person and find out what was going on. That person turned out to be Jim Griffith, who had attempted to pursue a career as an actor, but had not seen much success. He was then an artist for a while, and then he was in a really low place in 1996 and had been battling depression. He was on something of an upswing when he got the call from Skull, which shocked him, and he got an offer to become eBay's second part-time employee. Griffith accepted the job and took on the handle Dale as his customer service identity for the company, and he was paid the princely sum of $100 per month to answer emails and do what he did best on the bulletin board, which was to help people out. Skull would actually do this again, and he reached out to an antique store operator from Indianapolis named Patty Ruby. Patty had adopted the handle Aunt Patty, on the Auction Web Bulletin Board, and so she was known to the community and had been helpful on numerous occasions, being both computer-savvy and knowledgeable about antiques. She, too, accepted the offer to work part-time for the company, though she soon moved to working full-time and she quit her normal job. Both Uncle Griff and Aunt Patty are examples of how eBay would rely heavily on the community that had grown up around the service. Rather than seeking professionals outside of the site, Skull followed his instinct and decided that the most passionate and helpful members of the community were the ones to tap. They would jump at the chance to come on board as employees. They already knew the auction web system backward and forward. They didn't have to have any training on that. And it was a move that just made sense. In November 1996, eBay made the first of many third-party licensing deals, and this was with a company called Electronic Travel Auction, or ETA. And ETA wanted to create a way to allow users to bid for travel-related goods and services like airline tickets, hotel rooms, vacation packages, and more. Now eBay, still officially known as Auction Web, though no one was calling it that, would host auctions not just from individuals or small business owners, but also from third parties, and that would continue throughout eBay's history. Now I've got more to say about these middle days of eBay, but first let's take a quick break to thank our sponsor. Working remotely, where you are shouldn't dictate what you do.
2: Get what you want without the complicated. AT&T Fiber, live like a giggillionaire. Available wherever you get your podcast. Limited availability in select areas. Visit at slash hypergig for details. The
0: following year would be a big one for eBay. For one thing, it's the year that Auction Web technically went away. This must have been a great relief to Jeff Skull. The design of AuctionWeb was pretty simple. The logo was just the name AuctionWeb, and then there was a grayscale bar that was right next to it, and it would get darker along its length until it was black at the very end. Some folks would call it the Death Bar, because it was kinda grim and black and white. Oh, and eBay, the parent site that hosted AuctionWeb, had the exact same bar next to its name. Not very inspired. By January 1997, the site was hosting 2 million auctions a month. Throughout 1996, the site had hosted 250,000 auctions total, so growth was truly explosive. One thing that fueled such crazy growth was beanie babies. And you may, oh Madrugis, have forgotten about beanie babies, or Or maybe you never were around to experience that particular fad. And I know there was a Beanie Babies 2.0 that came out sometime around 2008. But come on, those never achieved the fever pitch of that original run. Beanie Babies are a line of plush toys. They're kind of like bean bags and they're cute little animals and they caught on like gangbusters and collectors rushed stores to grab them as soon as they would hit store shelves. A few beanie babies were produced in limited runs, which drove up their market value significantly. I remember even seeing roadside stands with beanie babies, which were probably counterfeits in retrospect, but those were being sold On the side of the road, and those were heady days, my friend. Anyway, Beanie Babies were one of the most popular products moving across eBay in 1997. According to the company's own timeline, the sales of Beanie Babies hit about half a billion dollars, and they represented more than 6% of the company's total volume of sales going across its site, which is a whole lot of Beanie Babies. It also meant that there were a lot of, of, uh, of listing fees that were coming into eBay as people were bidding on and winning these things. In May 1997, eBay made its one millionth sale. Or to be fair, users made the one millionth sale eBay profited off of it. Now, I know you just heard me say just a short while ago that the company had hit two million auctions back in January 1997. So how could they only hit their millionth sale in May 1997? Well, keep in mind, not every auction results in an actual sale. So if we say that the company had 2 million auctions in January 1997, and the millionth item was sold in May 1997, we see the success rate of auctions is less than 50%, which is kind of interesting. Oh, that millionth item, by the way, in case you were curious, was a Big Bird jack-in-the-box toy, as in Big Bird from Sesame Street, and it was totes cute. In September 1997, AuctionWeb officially took its final bow and transformed Metamorphosis-like into eBay. So AuctionWeb was no more. eBay was now the name of the service and the company, which everyone had pretty much been using since it launched. But around that same time, the company received nearly $7 million in venture capital funding, and Skull decided that the logo needed a facelift too, as the death bar wasn't precisely appealing. For a very short while, eBay adopted a navy blue logo that had a stylized E and B combined with each other, but this didn't last very long and in fact may have never shown up on an online site anywhere. It may never have, have appeared on a web page. My research didn't show any signs of it. It did show up on some stationery and letterhead, but that was about it. They contacted an ad agency called CKS Group, and they hired them to come up with a new design for the logo. According to Bill Cleary, who worked at CKS, the team felt that eBay's new logo had to appeal to a broad base of people because folks from all different walks of life were actually making use of the site. Ultimately, the team came up with a new design in which eBay has a colorful logo with a red E, a blue B, a yellow A, and a green Y. The letters slightly overlap one another, and the baseline shifted from letter to letter, so they were slightly offset vertically. The team felt the new logo was friendly and accessible, and the logo rolled out in the fall of 1997 along with a complete redesign of the page. Meanwhile, Jeff Skoll and Pierre Omidyar were looking for someone to lead eBay moving forward with the goal of transforming the company into a publicly traded company. By now, we're talking 1998, an era in which the sky was the limit for Internet companies— Things were just starting to really take off, and the dot-com bubble was poised to expand dramatically before it would ultimately collapse a few years later. eBay was on the verge of transitioning from a startup into a much larger entity, and Skull and Omidyar needed someone with experience to take the helm. The two reached out to Meg Whitman. Whitman says she got a call from a headhunter about working for eBay and being its new president and CEO, but she wasn't eager to take the company up on the offer because it would mean traveling across the country to take a new job. She was worried about the impact this would have on her husband and their kids, and when she visited the site, she said she saw the stuff about the biotech company that Pamela worked for and the Ebola virus, and she wondered what the heck was going on. So she must have seen the site before Omidyar shifted all those pages away, But she did agree to meet with Omidyar, and he convinced her to sign on with the company as the new CEO after she spent about a day in the company's offices. When Whitman joined, eBay was a 30-person operation, and it was pulling in about $4 million in revenue. Whitman had extensive experience in business. She had worked as a brand manager for Procter & Gamble and rose to the role of senior vice president there. Then she worked for other companies like the Walt Disney Company and Hasbro. Whitman began work by reorganizing the company. She created business divisions focused on specific verticals and formed executive teams by pulling people from some of the very companies she used to work for to head up those new divisions. She also continued work on eBay's redesign and she demanded the site create a walled-off, age-restricted offshoot for sales of items that were not appropriate for families, things like pornography or firearms. Now, eventually eBay would form policies that would ban such stuff from their sites. They, You can't sell firearms at auction on eBay. Uh, you also can't sell things like drugs or alcohol. Oh, and um, body parts. Yikes. In May... The site launched a new feature called My eBay, which allowed users to customize their eBay experience, making it easier for them to find things they were most interested in and to keep up to speed with auctions. And in June 1998, eBay acquired another company called Jump Incorporated. Jump Incorporated developed a trading service supported by ads, and that service was called Up for Sale, the four being the number four. It would be the first of several acquisitions led by Meg Whitman. Not all of them would turn out to necessarily be great moves for eBay. Spoiler alert, I guess. But Whitman was working hard to prepare eBay for that initial public offering. And when it happened, it would turn all those who had a significant share in eBay into billionaires. I'll tell you more about that in just a second. But first, let's take another quick break to thank our sponsor.
2: Inspired by guaranteed, straightforward pricing from AT&T Fiber. Get what you want without the complicated. AT&T Fiber, live like a there. Available wherever you will get your podcasts. Limited to availability in select areas. Visit at slash hypergig for details.
0: In late September 1998, eBay held its initial public offering. The opening price for eBay was listed at $18 per share. The stock price behaved a bit like an eBay auction. It climbed higher and higher. It peaked at $53.50 per share before closing a little lower at 47.38. That'd be an increase of 163% over its opening price. There were 3.5 million shares offered, which gave the company a market capitalization of $1.05 billion. The IPO raised some $63 million in cash. It was the fifth most successful IPO ever. And this humble hobby turned Omidyar into a billionaire. Whitman jokingly issued a warning to eBay employees that she would fire them if they kept their eyes on the stock price day after day. They were understandably excited at their newfound wealth, and people were frequently having the stock price up on their web pages and and staring at them at the screen instead of actually doing their work. So Whitman said, hey, guys, if you want to remain millionaires, turn off those screens. In December 1998, the company founded the eBay Foundation, an organization that uses pre-IPO stock to fund nonprofit organizations and entrepreneur ideas around the world. Pierre and Pamela have spent much of their time and money dedicated to charitable endeavors, and the company has sort of followed suit. Today, the eBay Foundation's mission statement is to, quote, Unleash the power of entrepreneurship to build economically vibrant and sustainable communities. We develop strategic partnerships with non-profit organizations using our financial resources, platform, and people to foster networks of support for entrepreneurs and small businesses. Our programs focus on vulnerable populations and underserved communities. We also empower eBay employees to make a greater impact in communities around the globe by matching their donations and making cash donations when they volunteer. End quote. Now let's skip ahead a little bit. We're going to skip ahead to the summer of 1999. There's a lot of things that were happening at this company, but we're already getting pretty bogged down in minutia, so I want to hit some of the big, big stories of eBay the company was growing rapidly. We're still in the dot-com bubble phase. New employees were brought on, revenues were up, the stock price had continued to climb, hitting more than $150 per share at this point. The dot-com bubble was getting pretty darn big, and there were only a few signs that dark times were ahead for the industry as a whole. But eBay suffered an early setback that got a lot of attention the site started having some serious connection issues. The stability of the site was in question. In June 1999, the site went down for 22 hours. This was huge news at the time. Buyers and sellers were angry and distraught. Imagine that you're sitting there, ready to snipe an auction for a signed copy of Weird Al Yankovic's first album, and then the site crashes. And it doesn't come back for nearly a full day. So what was going on? According to eBay, the software powering the site was at fault. And that software came from two outside vendors, Sun Microsystems and Oracle. Now, I covered Oracle in some recent episodes. You can go back and listen to those and learn all about that company. It's also a fascinating story. But other people were suggesting that perhaps the site had stability issues due to scaling up to a larger platform. The issue being that more and more people were using eBay and the company just wasn't prepared to handle the increase in traffic. Meg Whitman and Pierre Amidiar issued a, a letter of apology to eBay users. They explained that the company was working hard on creating a backup system that could keep the site running in case of a failure and that sadly, This backup system just wasn't quite ready before the crash actually happened. So essentially they were saying, we anticipated that this could be a problem and we were working on the solution. The problem was the solution wasn't ready before the problem happened. They also said that they had contacted not just their own experts, but people at these vendors like Sun Microsystems to work tirelessly to get the site back up and running. And they said they would institute a new policy moving forward. If the site were to crash for less than two hours, any auction that was scheduled to end during those two hours would automatically get a 24 hour extension to allow for additional bids unless the seller wished to end the auction. And for any outage lasting more than two hours, eBay would refund the fee it charged for a successful auction. So in other words, there would be no listing price that would be charged to a seller if the, uh, if the site had been down for more than two hours. And according to estimates, that 22-hour crash cost eBay about $2 bucks in revenue. And while some users were motivated to leave the platform for other places like Amazon, many people chose to stay. The site had a few more outages that same summer, including a nine-hour outage that happened in August 1999. And while this wasn't a pleasant experience, it did have a positive outcome, according to Jim Griffith, a.k.a. Uncle Griff. He said it caused eBay to realize that their work affected real people in a very tangible way. People were relying on eBay as a storefront, and when that storefront is down, they can't make their living. He said this realization motivated eBay to step up and work on creating a reliable service that was more robust and resistant to outages. In July 1999, not even a year after the IPO, eBay expanded internationally, launching sites in Germany, the UK, and Australia. Whitman demanded that each country have its own tailored version of eBay that would appeal to the people of those countries. And in January 2000, eBay would purchase several buildings in the business park it occupied. This is when they created eBay Park. And as I said earlier, buildings took on the names of the various categories eBay offered. And in April 2000, eBay introduced a new company called eBay Motors. At the time, it was a pretty wild idea to purchase a new or used car from an online storefront. But it worked. And it worked so well that others began to follow suit. And suddenly, eBay Motors had some pretty stiff competition. Like the normal auction site, eBay Motors would only charge users if a transaction completed across the site. At that point, eBay would charge the seller a listing fee, which was capped at a maximum of $125. Since the acquisition of Up for Sale back in 1998, eBay had purchased several other companies, and most of them were either auction services or payment systems. In 2001, eBay bought a French company called iBazaar, which gave eBay another foothold in Europe. It was another similar service that was going on in France. And all of this led up to the largest acquisition the company would make in those early years, which was PayPal. That acquisition happened in 2002, and it was valued at $1.5 billion, making it by far the largest acquisition eBay had pursued up to that point. According to a press release, Meg Whitman said, quote, eBay and PayPal have complementary missions. We both empower people to buy and sell online. Together, we can improve the user experience and make online trading more compelling. We can also capture greater value from the e-commerce opportunities occurring both on and off our site. PayPal had been founded by Peter Thiel and Max Levchin, who had worked together on a business called Confinity. In 1999, Confinity launched PayPal to fill in a gap the two perceived in online payment processing. PayPal had just held its own IPO back in February 2002 before this acquisition, and it would remain part of eBay for more than a decade. It would eventually spin off in 2014 as its own company after leadership faced some tough demands from important investors. More on that in an upcoming episode. And I'll also cover an even larger acquisition in that future episode, one that raised eyebrows in Silicon Valley and created a buzz that perhaps Whitman was making some foolhardy moves. It's another big name in tech that would eventually find a new home at Microsoft. And of course, I'll talk more about Whitman's legacy at eBay before she stepped down as CEO, as well as what the company has been up to more recently. One thing I do want to cover, since we're talking about the dot-com boom and bust, is how eBay was able to weather that storm. In large part, it was because eBay fell into a category that we largely associate with the concept of Web 2.0. And I've talked about this before, about how Web 2.0 is kind of a weird phrase. Uh, It sounds like it was the next version of the web, that you first had Web 1.0, And then you had Web 2.0. It's not quite that simple. Web 2.0 was really more about a group of best practices that if you followed, you were more likely to survive than if you did not follow those. And that included having ways for users to interact with each other and with the site to have some sort of dynamic user-generated content be part of your experience and that that would demonstrate more value and people would be more likely to support your company. And so eBay fell into that category, as did companies like Amazon, whereas other companies that did not have this feature found it more difficult to survive. Now, it's too simple to say that just because of the community, eBay was able to weather the storms of dot-com. They also were flush with cash. They had had a very successful IPO, They were, uh, they had a successful way of generating revenue. So they were actually making money because people were still using eBay to sell things. So they had a working revenue model. That was a large advantage over a lot of the startup companies that bloomed in the dot com days before they wilted away because they no longer could demonstrate value. They couldn't make money. They had these great ideas and they had a lot of investors. But they didn't have a business plan, and ultimately that ended up failing, or they tried to expand so quickly that eventually they realized they were reaching too far and they overbalanced themselves. eBay did not do either of those things, uh, even though it did make this enormous acquisition in PayPal. Our next new episode will actually be a celebration of Tech Stuff's 10th anniversary, Yep, we're turning 10 years old. So we're going to put the story of eBay on hold until after our 10-year celebration episode. But we will pick back up again once we finish partying, you know, and the streamers have come down and I've taken the lampshade off my head. And we'll be picking back up in about 2002 with eBay. And I'll see you then, party people. For the meantime, if you guys have any suggestions for future topics for Tech Stuff, send me an email. The address is techstuff at howstuffworks.com. Or drop me a line on Facebook or Twitter. The handle at both of those is h Don't forget to follow us on Instagram. And I will talk to you again on Tech Stuff's 10th anniversary. Can you believe it? Really soon.
1: with Zumo Play.